0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We are in our summer school series that we've been working through over the last few weeks, Lessons to Make Sense of Life. And my name's Harvey. I'm the youth pastor here at Life Central Church, and I get the privilege of spending time with young people, walking with them, serving them, um, and seeing God do awesome stuff in their life. I invited my crew to sit on the front row with me this morning because, hey, we believe at Life Central Youth that our crew is like our family, and sometimes we need support from family, okay? And so, if you are a young person in September. Hey, we'd love you to get plugged into crews and be in a crew. Find family there. If you're new to the church, get in a connect group. Find family in that way. Um, We'd love that so much. I'm, I'm excited to be speaking in this series because I've spent so much time over the past few years in classrooms and in lessons, some of them I wanted to be in and I was excited about. Some of them, not so much, right? I didn't really want to be in them. I texted my friends all the way through. And hopefully, this morning, we're not going to see anyone texting all the way through because you won't get your phone back until the end of the lesson. Anyone heard that? Yeah, some people, rebels, right? Um, And so, this morning, we're going to have some fun. Is there any teachers in in the room this morning, some teachers? Okay, the only difference between you and the students that you have in the week is that you chose to be here this morning. There we go. Unlucky for you. Hey, we're going to have fun. Um, And I think school's a weird place, right? Because you spend so much of your time as a teenager wishing you could get out of school, wishing that you could go and do whatever you want and get on with your life, only to find that school is a real formative part of your life. You form your values and your views, the people you're going to spend time with in the future. And I think the topic that we're looking at this morning is quite similar. We're looking at trust, which is something that I think is foundational to our lives. It determines who we listen to and who we take advice from, and therefore determines what we go on to do as a result. And so, because this is a lesson this morning, we have a learning objective. And so, by the end of today's lesson, you should be able to understand what makes God trustworthy and see how that trust can shape the way that you live. I wonder, are you trusting people? this morning. See, I find that sometimes I can be a little bit too trusting. And just a while ago in the summer, I got the privilege of taking 40 of our young people away to a summer festival called Limitless. We saw some awesome stuff. Yes, come on. Um, We saw some cool things going on. But one of the privileges that I got was to go on the bouncy boxing, right? Hey, if you're wondering why we do youth ministry, bouncy boxing, I'm joking, other reasons too. Um, But we went on the bouncy boxing. I went against one of our youth team called Will, and I was super trusting getting on this thing because I thought, hey, it's super bouncy. If I fall over, it's not going to hurt. Like the gloves are huge, right? There's no way it's going to hurt if I'm boxing against Will. So I get in this ring and Will is running circles around me. Like it's like watching a Rocky movie except I'm losing. And so he's running around hitting me like it's not going well for me. But I trusted that I was going to be okay. And it's okay, right? Jesus forgives Will. And I'm asking that he teaches me to forgive him too. Um, But we had a good time. Um, But I realized in that moment, sometimes I can be a little bit too trusting. And so if trust can lead to us getting into a ring and getting battered with some boxing gloves, if trust can lead to our actions changing, then trust is an important thing for us to look at and to understand in our lives. And we're going to do that over the course of this morning. Um, But throughout this series, we've been looking at some advice from a guy called Solomon. Now Solomon in the Bible is like considered as the wise guy. Okay, and so in this part, in Proverbs, he's writing a letter to his son as like a big piece of advice for his son's life. And here's what he says, Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so I think from this piece of advice that Solomon gives, there's three main factors that I think um, can help us understand the relationship between trust and how it changes the way that we live. The first one of those is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The second one is lean not on your own understanding, right? Self-reliance, relying on ourselves. And then in all your ways, submit is the third one, right? Submit. Because here's what I've noticed. When we trust somebody... When, when our trust is really low, right, let's say we don't trust somebody, um, our submission to their way of doing things is probably going to be quite low because we don't trust them. We're not going to do what they say for us to do. And therefore, our self-reliance, our reliance on our own understanding, our own ways is quite high. Now, if I told you this morning I was going to teach you to skydive. Like, chances are you're not going to trust me too much. If I was going to teach you to put the parachute in the bag, if I was going to teach you how to strap it on your back, would you jump out of the plane with the parachute? I hope the answer is not yes. Because right? there's some real problems there. But see, what I've noticed is that as our trust of someone increases, as it goes up, our submission to their way also increases. And therefore, our self-reliance, our reliance on our own way of doing things, decreases. Now, if Bear Grylls was here and he said, hey, I want to teach you how to jump out of a plane... The chances are you'd let him pack the bag for you. You'd let him strap it on your own back. You'd probably let him push you out of the plane because you trust him. Therefore, your submission to his way is a little bit more of a thing that you are looked at um, rather than your self-reliance. Um, and see, when I was in school, um, we had this one day, and amongst my friendship group, this was called the science lesson to remember. Okay, And I found... That as we walked into this lesson, we had a supply teacher. Now I am sorry if you are a supply teacher in the classroom because what I thought is that when you have a supply teacher, the rule was you could get away with doing whatever you wanted, right? And so me and my friends we walk in, we've got a supply teacher. We're like, yes, like we can do whatever we want. Within the first like five minutes, this girl Kelsey, she puts her hand in like, you know the stools with the little slits in? And she gets her hand like stuck in this stool. So the first half of the lesson is spent people trying to pull her hand out of this stool. And so the teacher's a bit distracted. She's dealing with that. Things start to get a bit more back on track. And so she's doing this experiment, the teacher with us, of how you can put your hand through a Bunsen burner. If the flame's on like big and red and yellow, whatever it is, you can put your hand through it as long as you don't do it too slow and you won't get burned. And so we saw this experiment, but we weren't really listening that well. And so my friend Ewan had this real bright idea. He was like, hey, let's whack it on blue, right? And so the flame is like hot. It's as hot as it can get. And so my friend Ewan, he like, he takes a deep breath and he puts his hand through this flame and suddenly his hand's like red, is blistering. Like the teacher has to get him over to first aid as soon as possible, or he's going to be in a bit of trouble. And so the teacher's out of the classroom. So we think great opportunity for us to mess around. And so me and my friend Charlie, we're at the back of the classroom, we start like play fighting, we're pretending, we're making noises like we're fighting, but we're not. And everyone starts crowding around, they're cheering us on, like, hey, fight, fight, fight. The teacher comes back in the class, she grabs us and sends us out the science lesson to remember. See, here's what I've learned from that science lesson, is when we don't trust, we don't see authority, See, often when people have the supply teacher, maybe there's not as much trust there as there would be for the teacher that they used to have, and therefore they don't see them as authoritative when we don't trust, we don't see authority. And I think this is something we see massively across young people in our nation today. Many of them have problems with the idea of authority because of issues that stem from trust, whether that's people that they loved and known, whether it's politicians and people that have said things and done other things, that there's a lack of trust. And see, if we don't trust someone, how can we ha- allow them to have a say in our lives? In fact. For some people, we have to actually limit and guard the authority that we give them in order to protect who we are and who God created us to be. But then... What about God, right? What about our trust in God? What level of authority should he have in our lives? How much of our lives are we willing to let go of in order to trust God and give him authority? What areas do we hide from God? And I want to suggest today that the reason why we don't give full authority, or maybe today it's a reason why you don't fully follow Jesus with all areas of your life, stems from a lack of trust, And that can be true for all of us in some areas. So the question we're left with is, can we trust God? Can we trust God? See, when I was new to faith and was learning a little bit more about what I believed, I got a mentor who walked alongside me and taught me some things about the Bible and about my faith and helped me understand some of that. I had to give him some level of authority in order to learn and to grow. And see, I think we understand that as people. We understand that we need to give some sort of authority over in order to learn and to grow. We need to get advice from other people and give that authority. But see, what about God? Because that's more difficult. Sometimes people are physical. We can be with them, right? It's easy to do. Sometimes God feels a little bit more distant. And so how do we grow in our trust of God? It's not always as easy. And so, What I did in my research, best way to start your research, is to go to Google. And I Googled what trust was. And it said, the firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. In other words, there are factors that contribute to whether or not you trust somebody. And see, I want to look this morning at four different factors that I think contribute to my trust of people, but hopefully will help us understand how we can trust God as well. See, like we said here, we can understand what makes God trustworthy and see how that can shape the way that we live. Because as our trust increases, like we talked about, our self-reliance will decrease and therefore our submission to God's way will change. Therefore, it shapes the way that we live. And so the first thing I want to look at is authenticity. Is God authentic? The second one we're going to look at is empathy. Does God really care the third one is knowledge right does God know as much about my life as I think he does the fourth one is outcomes what is the outcome of me trusting in God and so the first one of those hey when we're looking to trust someone we need evidence that they are authentic and I think as humans we're pretty good at deciding whether someone's fake or whether they're authentic but arguably it's become a lot more difficult recently like the rise of fake news, misleading information, political parties who would say one thing and do something completely different, pastors and celebrities who we've trusted, who have gone and done things that we didn't understand and don't make sense. Maybe you've had some of that experience. See, if we don't view someone as authentic, as real, as really being behind the things that they say they are for, then we're not going to trust them the way that we maybe sometimes want to. And so Youth for Christ did a study a while ago which showed some research which was shocking about the next generation, the numbers of young people, like I mentioned earlier, who don't understand authority because of mistrust and the mistakes that they've seen all over the nations, that there's been a gap between what people have said and what people have done. See, when there's that gap, we often don't trust the person. But when it comes to God, the question we need to ask is, is God authentic is God authentic is there a gap between what he says and what he does and I think the best way for us to understand this is to look at the life of Jesus now we believe that Jesus was God God came down as a man called Jesus we'll explain that a little bit more in a little bit um but I don't think there's any gap between what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Jesus was known as someone who loved people. And we find him in the Bible, blessing the peacemakers, the people who were weak, but the people who were pure in heart as well. He associated with women who at the time were lower class. He associates with the poor, the people who were ill, the people who were outcasts from society. He showed love to those people. He was loving. There was no gap. But he's also full of justice. And so there's this part in the Bible where he walks into a temple. And the temple was supposed to be a place of worship. And he finds these people gambling, like selling and buying things. And he walks in and says, this has become a den of robbers. And he starts flipping over tables. Why? Because he is full of justice. There's no gap between what he says and what he does. He also talks of serving other people. He says the first will be last. There'll be people who serve. And he's found later on in the Bible, washing the feet of his disciples, something a servant would have done. And the ultimate act of service is he dies on a cross for the very people who hated them. He died in their place and predicts his death and resurrection, and he pulls it off. There is more evidence for the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus than there is for the life of Julius Caesar. So Jesus is authentic. There is no gap between what he says and what he does. Therefore, he is more trustworthy than any political party, than any leader. He doesn't make rules and not follow them. He doesn't say one thing and do another thing. This might offend you a little bit, but he's not right-wing and he's not left-wing. He is of the kingdom. He sets a new standard of authenticity. See, he is someone that we can trust because he is authentic. The second reason that I think uh, we find to trust people is whether or not they are empathetic, whether or not they care. It's hard for us to trust someone when we don't really know if they're for us. Like, they might say they are. But sometimes we doubt it, right? We don't know if they're really for us, that their intentions are really uh, to have our best interests at heart. And so when we don't see that, we don't trust them, we don't give them authority. And so how do we know that God has our best interests at heart? How do we know? And maybe you've seen church leaders abuse power and you think that's not empathy. Or maybe you've got a friend or family member who hasn't been healed by God and you think, does God really... Care. And so the question we have when it comes to God is, does God care? Does God care? See, in Romans three twenty-three to 24, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Basically meaning that there is a gap between who we are and who God is. God is good, and no matter how good we think we are, there is a gap between us and God. And then it carries on, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a little bit wordy, but let me explain for a second. The most important thing that we believe as Christians, we believe that we were created to know God. We were created to be in relationship with God. But somewhere along the way, we stopped submitting to God's way, and we decided to rely on ourselves. We decided to do our own thing. We made a gap between us and God. But because God loved us so much, he came down as a man called Jesus. He took on the punishment for all those mistakes, all those failures, all the things that we'd done wrong. And he died in our place so that we could be seen as right by God, so that we could be reunited with God. And so today, if you're wondering... Whether God cares. You can know that he cares more than you could ever know. Enough that he was willing to die in your place. Willing to die in my place. That we could just know him if we chose to. Now that is love. That is love. And so whatever you've done this morning. Whoever you are. Wherever you're from. I hope you go away knowing that God loves you. And God wants to know you. The third thing that we look for. When we're looking whether or not we can trust someone. Is knowledge knowledge. We want to know that they know what they're talking about. We want to know that it's uh, like legit, that it's truthful. And so I've got a friend called Craig. And so me and my friend Craig and my brother, we often go surfing a little bit. And so one time, we're all starting out, we're learning to surf. My friend Craig starts talking about how he's going to do some awesome stuff surfing, right? He tells me how he's going to turn. He's telling us how he's going to do these like tricks and things. And we're thinking, okay, this guy knows a little bit of what he's talking about. And so we get out there and Craig, every time he goes to stand up on the surfboard, the board flips from underneath him. He lands on his face in the water, like not a good moment for him. Um, And so I'm thinking to myself, maybe he doesn't know as much as I thought he knew. And so the next day, we're walking down to the beach. He's got a surfboard under his arm. And I noticed something. He's got his fins, which are used to guide the board. He's got them on backwards. And so what's happening is every time the wave goes, the board's like trying to flip around, and it's just pushing him off the Like I realized that he didn't know as much as I thought he knew. Something had convinced me that he knew more than he actually did. And see, when we know someone doesn't know as much as we think they do, we lose some trust in that person. And so in order for us to trust God, to understand that he knows uh, a lot about us, the question we have to ask is, does God really know me? Does God really know me? And so I've got a few verses, all from Psalm 139, to show us a little bit about what God knows about us. Verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. The next verse from verse 2, it says, uh, You know when I sit and where I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Verse 4, it says this, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Like These are just some verses that show how much God actually knows you. But we believe, uh, Life Central Church, that, that this book, the Bible, is God's word, and that it's not just something written to the people back in the time that it was written, but it's something for us today that we can learn more about ourselves and about God. And the more we apply this to our lives and read this, we discover that he knows far more about us than we could have asked or imagined or expected because he wrote this for us. Um, He knows us better than we think. And so God is trustworthy because of his knowledge of us. And so the last thing we've got to look for when we're looking to trust someone is not what they do or what they say, but it's what are the results? What is the outcome of trusting this person? So when it comes to God, the question is, what is the outcome? What is the outcome if I trust in God? And I think the best way to do this is to look at the life of the disciples, the people who walked with Jesus. And I've been reading a book recently called 12 Ordinary Men. It's by a guy called John MacArthur. And he talks about Matthew, one of the 12 disciples. And Matthew was known as a former tax collector. And tax collectors were people who took jobs um, to extort the taxes from their own people in order to pay the Roman army. And so they were known as greedy people. They didn't care about anything but money. They just wanted money. And they were willing to give up their own people in order to get money for themselves. And then there's another guy in the 12th disciples called Simon. And Simon was a former zealot, and zealots were like an outlaw political party. They took their hatred of Rome to a new level um, by conspiring to overthrow the government. They were considered as violent outlaws, and they used to sabotage and assassinate, and because they didn't have an army, they were essentially terrorists of their time. See, one faction of the Zealots were called the Sakari, which is translated as dagger men. Dagger men, because they literally would go around with small curved blades to take out key political enemies, people like tax collectors. And so the fact that Matthew, a former tax collector... And Simon, a former zealot, could be part of the same company, the same 12 disciples who took the name of Jesus to the nations and made his name known across the world. The fact that they could be in the same group is the evidence of the transforming power and grace of Jesus Christ, that two sworn enemies could be united in a cause greater than themselves to make the name of Jesus known, to find purpose, to find love, and to share that with the world. I think that shows an outcome. But see, there's outcomes all throughout the Bible, people's lives who change and things that happen. But we also see it in our world today. I was on the phone to a parent recently. He talked about how since their young person had started coming to church, um, it feels like they found themselves. See, that parent had noticed something in their young person that God had been doing. I went to Limitless, like I talked about in the summer. One of the young people came up to me after one of the sessions and said, I felt like God was doing something. I felt like he lifted a weight off me and I feel free. One of the other young people, he came up to me and said, I felt like I felt a peace that I've never felt before. These are outcomes of trusting God. It says this in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the outcomes. These are the outcomes. This is the kind of life that we all want to live. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, these are things that we all aspire to have in our lives. And so if we're looking at evidence of his outcomes, we can know that trust in him leads to these things. His outcomes are good. And so if we can trust that God is authentic that he is empathetic, that he is knowledgeable, and that his outcomes are good, then we can give authority to what he says for our life. We can trust that his way is the best way, because as we talked about, as our trust increases, our self-reliance decreases, and we submit to their way. I think submission has become quite a negative word in our society, but it, I don't think it was created to be that. It's not that in the Bible, but it's not a brainless following of someone, but it's a recognition and it's a responsibility of ourselves to distribute some of that for accountability in order to to give authority to the people in our lives who are crucial in making us better. And so we submit to God because we know that life is better with him. There are areas, right, we all want to hold on to. There are areas we all think we know best. But when we look at the evidence, we realize that he actually does. And so, let's look at that verse again in Proverbs. When we see his authority, we can trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. When we see his knowledge of us, how much he understands us, we can lean not on our own understanding. When we see the outcomes of trust in Him, the things that he does, the things that he changes in us, we know that He will make our paths straight. See, when we realize that we can trust Him, we realize it's not just parts of our lives, but it's all areas. It's all areas. It's our health, it's our character. It's our job role, it's our finances, it's our integrity, it's our friendships, our relationships, our marriage, the way we raise children. What would it look like to submit those things to God's way, knowing that He knows more about it than we do? The next verse says this, Proverbs 3 verse 7, it says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. I'm guilty of this, right? Thinking that I know best, thinking that I know what's best for my life. But when we look at it, God actually does. We need guidance and we need God's wisdom. And so when we see that, we stop trying to pack that parachute ourselves. We stop trying to stuff it in however way we think we can. But we give it over to the one who knows best. And as we trust him, as we allow him to have that authority in us, he makes our path straight. We get better at how we live our lives. Like those things in Galatians, love, peace, joy, patience, they're things that he grows in us, things that are produced in us. Not that our life suddenly gets better, but he produces those things us in us for healthy living. So we get better at how we live our lives. And I believe today that not only can we trust him, but that we need him that we need him. When I face God in eternity, when I'm about to leave the plane of life, I don't want to stand there with a crumpled up parachute of my efforts to live a good life, a life that was pleasing to God. But I want to stand there with Jesus knowing that he packed it. He packed the parachute. He knows it. He knows me and I am safe. See, it's with Jesus and only with him that I can know God for eternity. He is the only one who can, who can give me that parachute that I need. And that's the ultimate invite this morning. That's not just for some people, but that's for all of us. And so I want to give you an opportunity. But see, it starts with trusting God. It starts with trusting God, submitting what we have and letting go of control in some areas of our life. And so the opportunity this morning, I'm going to ask us to bow our heads, close our eyes, just so we don't distract people around. And we've got some of the team around with some booklets. I want to give you the opportunity this morning, if you've never decided to trust in God with your life, if you've never decided to follow Jesus with your life, if you've never accepted that parachute, this morning I want to give you the opportunity to do that. All you've got to do is pop your hand in the air. And one of the team will come round, they'll give you a little pack, and you can take that home. It'll explain a little bit more about following Jesus. But if that's you, just pop your hand in the air. See, when we put our trust in God, he changes things in us. We know that he's trustworthy through those things that we've talked about. Um, And I'm going to leave you with a bit of homework just to finish this morning. Okay, so that's going to come up on the screen. Um, Why don't we stand? We're going to worship together in a second. But I want to leave you with this piece of homework. This homework is... What is one area that you can hand over to God this week? What is one thing that you've been holding on to that maybe you've struggled to trust God with, that you struggled to hand over to God? I want you to think about that during this song. Right, Spend some time thinking about what is that one thing that I need to trust God with. And then this week, your homework is to take some time with God. Spend some time with God, asking Him to show you that you can trust Him with that thing asking him to trust to show you that you can trust him with that thing and we're going to sing a song now this song is called learn to trust you um this is a song that was written by our worship pastor dan Uh, he's not here this morning but he wrote this song with an understanding that trust doesn't always come naturally to us that it's something that sometimes we need to grow we need to learn to do it takes time um And so some of the lyrics will reflect a little bit of that, but it starts by taking steps. Steps to hand over things that we need to trust God with. Hand over the things that we're trying to claim control over. And so as we sing this song, hey, feel free to sing if you know the lyrics, but if you don't, reflect on what is that thing that you need to give over to God this morning. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you this morning that you are trustworthy. God, that you've proven that in so many different ways throughout the Bible and through our lives, Jesus. And I thank you that as we learn to trust you, God, as we put our trust in you and hand over the things that we try to take control of, we try to hang on to, God, we find that you are so much more trustworthy than we could imagine. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would gain a new level of trust of you, God, in our lives and that we would live that out in whatever way that looks for us. In your name, Emma.